0: Greetings, Earthlings. This is an incoming transmission from the library at Freed-Hartman University, where it is hosting the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and welcome back. My name is Isaiah Leininger. I don't know what that was, but we're just going to roll with it. Joining me today, as always, is our good friend, Walker Howell. And our special guest today is...
1: Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> it's
0: just us two here today. Uh, we hope you don't mind just listening to, to the two of us. Uh, and Walker, Season 2, Episode 5 is here. It
1: is. And it's uh, one that... we well, may understand the reason why we didn't bring on a special guest for this episode. We really wanted to bring on a special guest for this episode that really uh, could talk about this topic. But all the guests that we contacted were not available to discuss this topic with us. And so we felt instead of bringing in someone who we weren't too sure about, we decided we were going to do this episode on our own. we want to be the first to tell you that we are by no means, shape, or form qualified or uh, experienced enough to talk about this topic. However, we are going to approach it from a biblical perspective and we can look at this topic from a very biblical perspective and at least bring it to you in that sense. Um, And so that's why I say all that to say that our topic today is... What the Bible
0: says about cultural movements. Walker, you bring up a good point and I want to address that a little bit further before we move on to the topic itself. Uh, Walker and I are both straight white males <laughs> attending a Bible college in rural Tennessee. We are not the right people to be talking about cultural movements, things that have to do with minorities or you know people fighting for equality. Uh, which is basically the definition that we've come up with for cultural movements. Uh, the the wording that we have on our script is a group of people joining together to fight what they believe is unfair. And that could be applied to a lot of things, and that's certainly not the best definition, but I think it gives us a, a fairly good understanding of what we're talking about here today. Is a group of people fighting, uh, joining together to fight what they believe is unfair, uh, a social... Injustice, usually, mm-hmm. uh, and again, we are not the right people to be talking about this, uh, especially with the cultural movements that we we'll, we'll be looking at. But like with everything that we address on this podcast, we want to do it in love. We want to make sure that we're saying things in a way that is not offensive, but we're also going to speak the truth. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're not going to say, "Well, you don't have to listen to this part of the Bible because it hurts your feelings." We're going to lay it out there. We're going to lay it out there in the nicest way we possibly can, but we're going to lay it out there. Um, and, you know, you know, you may be asking, well, if you guys aren't the right people to be talking about this, then why are you? Somebody's got to.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, if it as I've always heard it, you know, if we don't teach people what's right, then the world will teach them first. And really, the world has probably already taught many people uh, about this topic, and so um, and so, we gotta go back and correct what the world has taught, and we have to be willing to look at it from a biblical biblical perspective, um, and see what the Bible has to say regarding this topic. Because you know, our main goal as Christians is to stand up for what is right, and that's what we ultimately want to do: stand up for what is right, stand up for what the truth has to say. And if you want to argue what Scripture says, then that's that's something else that's a whole different realm but um, but we're not going to make any opinions or any uh, anything of that such we are going to speak directly from scripture and break down what scripture
0: has to say regarding this topic and uh, and again before we actually jump into the topic there's a whole lot of disclaimer warnings with this episode I apologize but Uh, If we do end up saying something that is insensitive to one of these cultural movements or that is factually incorrect, whether it be about the movement itself, or if we misinterpret something that the scriptures say, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Our, Our goal here is not to offend anyone. It's not to lead anyone away from the truth. We have the exact opposite goals in mind. But we both understand that we are humans, that we can say things that... You know, we we may understand what it means, but someone else may have a different interpretation or, or anything of that nature. So if we do say something that you believe to be in, uh, offensive or incorrect, please let us know in love so that we can correct ourselves and continue to serve God and do it better. Um, and again, the reason that we're talking about this is because it needs to be talked about. These are Cultural movements, you know, these are things that are going on in our society right now. These are things that people are talking about, you know, in restaurants, in barbershops, on TV. These are the kinds of things that people are are discussing. And the church needs to know what the Bible says about these things. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the Bible isn't exactly going to say, thou shalt support cultural movements or thou shalt not support cultural movements. It doesn't just lay it out there for us. So we're going to have to do a little bit of digging. And we've looked. We picked out three of the most, uh, I don't want to say important, but the three most uh, notable cultural movements, at least in our opinion, the three most notable cultural movements, the ones that have the most support in society today. And we're going to be looking at how Christians should view each of these cultural movements and what our stance should be, whether or not we can support it, and if so, to what degree. So, Walker... Why don't you go ahead and introduce the three cultural movements that we are planning to discuss?
1: Yeah, so the three cultural movements uh, that we want to discuss today is Black Lives Matter, gay rights, and women's rights. And like Isaiah said, you know, these are not necessarily the top cultural movements that have the most people or whatever, that's not what we're trying to target. These are the ones that we see the most talked about in today's society. And so um, this is something that we want to address Um, And there's a whole bunch of other cultural movements that we could get into, but for the duration of this episode, these three should take us for the whole full length of the episode um, in all reality. So if you have questions about other cultural movements that we don't talk about on this episode, let us know and we can do some research on them, get back to you and provide us or provide you with our uh, opinion or our uh, stance on that. If you would like, Um, that is totally up to you. But we are going to address these three things. But I think the principles that we address regarding these three things, you can apply to pretty much any cultural movement, uh, no matter what it may be. So um, we, we want you to look at things not through what the cultural movement believes or through anything like this. We want us to look at these things through a biblical perspective, and that leads us directly into the first cultural movement, Isaiah.
0: Definitely. You know, Like you said, we want to look at these things through the eyes of Jesus. That's why we're here. <laughs> you know, got to bring in the title of the yes, show again. Yes. Um, so, but the first cultural movement that we want to look at today is Black Lives Matter. Uh, and this became, this This has been around, at least the organization itself. Obviously, this the civil rights movement has been around for centuries. Right. But the Black Lives Matter organization itself, according to our research, was founded in 2013 for the purpose of fighting racism Especially anti-black violence in the form of police brutality. That is their main goal, their main uh, their main purpose as an organization. And you know, Walker, uh, this became really prevalent during uh, the pandemic. Yes. Uh, You know, a lot of the Atlanta incident, right? uh, Several incidents where lives were George Floyd. George Floyd. Yes. Yes. Uh, A lot of incidents where a life was probably unnecessarily ended Mm -hmm. Uh, and our condolences go out to those who you know uh, may be connected to those situations in whatever way Um, we do not we want to make that clear right from the get-go we do not support any form of hate crime or any sort of violence against anybody that it would make no sense for us as Christians to call ourselves Christ-like and not show the love of God to people, and that includes, you know, not supporting in, and, and you know that it goes that goes to the extreme of not supporting in hate crimes or violence against those in cultural movements. So we are by no means supporting anything that uh, has happened within those incidents. Uh, but you know, when when the pandemic was going on, and all of these incidents, like the ones we mentioned, the the several the several that you brought up, Walker. I saw a lot of Christians go to social media to talk about what they were seeing Mm -hmm. and a lot of what they were saying boiled down to responding to the black lives matter movement with the phrase, all lives matter. And while I agree with that sentiment, in fact, I a hundred percent agree with that sentiment that all lives matter. I do not think that it was the right response. Uh, And what I mean by that is it was ignoring the needs that the movement itself was trying to address. It was not denying the fact that all lives matter. I I sincerely believe that it was not trying to devalue any other society or any other race of people. It was simply trying to say, hey, look, there's a problem in this country with police brutality against African-Americans. There's an issue here because so many African-Americans are being beaten or losing their lives from the police. And again, we as Christians cannot support that kind of thing, we cannot support that kind of violence or that kind of hate. But responding to the Black Lives, Li- Black lives Matter movement, I apologize for my stutter, apologizing, or, apologize, <laughs> I apologize again. Um, the point is, responding to the Black Lives Matter movement in that way, it only adds more strife to the argument. It, it does nothing good.
1: Definitely. Um, and I think whenever, you're going, whenever you first started, you were talking about how Christians immediately responded. Or not Christians. A lot of people responded on social media whenever everything broke out. And I feel like that is sort of our go-to now. Whenever something breaks out, we don't turn to anything else but social media. And the first thing that we want to do is we want to tweet about our opinion. We want to Facebook our posts about our opinion. We want to do something on social media regarding the incident. And I would propose to you that that's probably not the best option either. And, I, and me and Isaiah, Isaiah and I are totally on the same agreement as in the response of all lives matter was not appropriate during this time, but also going to social media immediately is not appropriate during the time whenever an incident just ha- occurs because you don't know all the facts regarding the situation. We don't know all the details regarding the situation. We only know what's been given to us at that given moment. And so I feel that instead of going to social media immediately, I think, and these are this isn't even one of the principles we talked about, but I think it's something good to discuss. And that is, instead of going to social media immediately whenever a situation happens, what if we went to God in prayer over that situation instead? Instead of trying to turn to social media and blast someone, something, or some organization for the cause of our problem. Why don't we pray to God and ask God for strength and help during this problem, during this trial? Because in all reality, the situations that happen, those are trials in many people's lives. Those are situations that cause people to maybe even stumble in their faith because they saw this happen to uh, their family member. Or it may cause uh, people to go astray from the faith because they feel that God is not loving to all races and all these different things. There's a variety of ways that this could have went. And so I think it's important that we go to God in prayer regarding those things instead of taking it directly to social media.
0: You know, you bring up a good point, Walker, and that is Christians need to be very, very careful with what they say and how they say it on social media. Social media and and those kinds of things are great. They allow us to have so many more connections that we would never have otherwise. Mm -hmm. They allow us to do so many more things that we would never be able to do otherwise. And social media in and of itself is not a bad thing, right. but it definitely can be used as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It can be misused. People can say things on there that they don't really mean. They just post in the heat of the moment or they, you know, share something that turns out later to be false, whatever it may be. The point is that there's a lot of things on social media that Christians don't need to participate in. And this is one of them is spouting off political opinions however correct you may think they are yeah. if they're not serving to edify and encourage the people around you then why post it if it's only going to cause more division then why post it yeah. and you know I think that's something that definitely I can learn from and I'm I, I pray that if that's something that you know if it's if it steps on your toes a little bit so to speak then I and I pray that you uh, can consider what we've said and, and, you know, look at your own life. And obviously we're we're not here to judge you, right? Mm-hmm. That's not our place. Mm-hmm. But you know what you share on social media. You know the impact that you can have on other people. And really there's, there's a hidden
1: impact and you may feel like, okay, most of my people on my page agree with what I say, and which is good. I mean, if, if that's the type of people that you have surrounding you, that's great. But you never know who searches your profile in the background and looks at your social media page and who sees these things. And whenever you post it there, it's always there. You can hit the delete button, but they can always go back and find your post. Um, there's no hiding things once it's out there. And I know this may sound like we're trying to parent you or something, and we're not. But it's just true facts that are actually out there, and it's been proven that you cannot hide these things once they go out to the whole world. And so the goal of a Christian should be to unify uh, each other, not to divide one another. And we've talked in previous episodes about the goal of unity and how we should have the goal to unify one another and not divide but one of the most recent episodes that we talked about regarding uh, unity and coming to unity over is politics. And we also talked about it in denominationalism over those two episodes. And we talked about how those two things have really divided our society and the church as a whole. And this is another thing that divides our society and our church as a whole, um, the issue of cultural movements. And next week, whenever we discuss cultural cultural diversity, these are two big topics that are also dividing our society and our world as a whole. And so we want to look at the scripture world or the scripture view on how to approach these things. Yes, I
0: I think in order to sum up what we've been saying about social media so that we can get back on subjects, because we have a tendency to be long winded on this show, Uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And I think that applies very well to what we post on social media as well. Mm-hmm. So, Christians, I ask that you be careful and consider strongly what you share on social media. But anyway, back to the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. Uh, in case you forgot, since Walker and I went on a tangent, we looked at the phrase that all, all lives matter uh, and why that is not the appropriate response to the Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter movement. I am stuttering over that so many times, and I apologize. Uh, but Walker and I also want to make it clear that when we are talking about Black Lives Matter, we just mean the sentiment. We as Christians, and Walker's and I personal opinion, we cannot support the things that Black Lives Matter organization supports. They support a lot of things like abortion or, or other things like that that we as Christians cannot be be with. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we agree with the sentiment. We agree with the statement that black lives matter. Yes, they do. They matter. God created them, so they matter. They have a soul, so they matter. But the organization in and of itself is questionable, in our opinion, to say the least. Definitely. And, you know, on here we put
1: that we shouldn't show any partiality to anyone based on their skin color and which is very true. But also as I've been thinking about black lives matter and Christian view on these things, you know, I've been thinking how much did God even care at the beginning about your skin color and what skin color you were or what ethnic group you were or anything like that. The beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't care whether you're black, white, blue, purple, red, whatever you may be. (laughs) He, all he cares about is that you were created in his image. You were created by him and you were handcrafted by the perfect creator. And that is the most beautiful thing about you. And so that's something that we need to keep in mind. We as Christians should show no
0: partiality because God showed no partiality. Yeah, the uh, the verse that you're referencing there, Walker, is Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. And in this passage, Peter he is in the home of Cornelius mm-hmm. and Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He is a Gentile man. Back in those days, it was not just uncommon, it was unheard of for a Jewish man to be in the home of a Gentile man. There was that amount of strife. There was that amount of division and hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles which were basically anyone who wasn't a Jew. Mm-hmm. There was that amount of Animosity between the two groups that they would not even... The the Jews would literally walk around towns if it was a Gentile town to get where they were going because they didn't want to have to interact with the Gentile people. And yet Peter here in Acts chapter 10, in spite of all the strife, in spite of all the, the hatred that is, in my opinion, stronger than what we see here in this country today, Uh, the, the hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles appears worse than what we are dealing with here today. Peter says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter says it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what race you are. If you follow God, if you obey his commands, that's what matters. There's no different set of rules for whites and African-Americans. There's, there's no different set of standards. God has the same law for everyone. If you follow that law, you will have the same consequence as everyone. And that is eternal life with him in heaven. Likewise, if you don't follow the law that has been given to everyone, you will face the same consequence as those who have not followed God's law which is eternal condemnation. And I think it's really, really important for us to look at uh, Galatians 3.28. I think this verse, and we're going to reference this verse several times in this episode. Galatians 3.28, I think, really sums up a whole lot in this episode. Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We have unity in Christ. We are united because he came and died for all of us. He came and showed his love for all of us. So now we can be together here on earth. And if we are all faithful, we will be together in heaven for all eternity. That's what matters. That's the important thing. It doesn't matter where you're from or what color your skin is. God loves you. Jesus died for you. The church has a place for you.
1: And that should lead us right into our next point, I guess, over the next cultural movement, because I ain't got nothing else to add to that. (laughs) That was good. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, as we enter into this next thing, I think we can take some of the things that Isaiah said just a few minutes ago and apply it to our next cultural movement of gay rights. Um, you know, gay rights has, uh, has recently come to light in the recent years whenever the gay marriage became a law um, and, or became legalized, I should say. Um, and whenever uh, all these different events has happened and we've seen the LGBTQ plus movement really take off over the recent uh, past, I would say, 10 years, I guess, or so. But I mean, it's always existed for a very long time, just like uh, the Black Lives Matter Um, organization and um, movement that's existed for an extremely long time, so has the gay rights movement. And I think the Christian stance should be similar, in a sense, to uh, the gay rights stance just as it was to the Black Lives Matter stance. We did a whole episode over homosexuality, so if you're interested in gay rights or homosexuality or whatever those things may be, uh, that is season 2, episode 1. Feel free to go check it out. Um, And we discussed about that whole topic in that episode so we won't be diving into whether gay rights is right or wrong or whatever but we want to address the christian stance of it we address in the homosexuality episode that that is a struggle and people who deal with these type things it's a struggle that they're dealing with and so we should um we should not love the sin but we should love the sinner and that's exactly what jesus did during his ministry he encountered people who had committed various acts of sin, adultery, if you remember the woman at the well. All these different people, they, they've they they have done these horrible, they've done these sins, these they've struggled with these things, but yet Jesus had the love and the compassion that he didn't care uh, whether they were a sinner or not. What he cared is that they corrected their lives and that they made things right, and he loved them so that they would do that. And that should be our stance as Christians whenever it comes to gay rights, um, Yes, we should not support. Um, we should not support the act of being gay. But at the same time, we have to love the person if they do struggle with that, because we all struggle with something. And um, I hope that came out the right way. Uh, Isaiah, correct me if
0: it did not. But um, it it sounded accurate to me, Walker. Uh, like you said, we as Christians need to support the people, right? Not their shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you and I. Have a different set of of temptations that mm-hmm. we have to endure. Right. Uh, you know, we have different things that Satan can use to trip us up. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, at least as far as I'm aware, neither one of us uh, have the struggle ha- have to struggle with the temptation of homosexuality. Right. Uh, but like I said, there are plenty of other things that Satan can use to trip us up. And so it's important for us as Christians to remember that when we're talking about this subject, yes, the Bible is clear on its stance on homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Yes. God has made it clear that what he sees as marriage and what we should see as marriage, because God's authority Mm -hmm. is one man and one woman, not two men or two women Mm -hmm. or more numbers than that. In some cases, one man, and one woman. So it's important for us to remember that, yes, homosexuality is something that the Bible does not support, but that does not mean that we should hate the people. In fact, that would go against everything that we're taught as Christians. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, The world will recognize the fact that you are Christians because of the love that you show other people. And I think we can see how that's not working today when Christians come out and condemn those living in sin and not recognizing the fact that they're also living in sin. It makes Christians sound hateful. It makes Christians sound homophobic in this instance. Mm -hmm. And that is not the approach that we need to have, especially if we're trying to save that person, if we're trying to help them leave that path of sin. Mm -hmm. If we go in there shouting hellfire and brimstone at them, then what good is that going to do? It's just going to reinforce the idea that they've been told that Christians are hateful, close-minded people. We are not supposed to be hateful or closed-minded. We are supposed to be loving
1: and open-minded.
0: Exactly. We cannot condemn other people without recognizing the fact that we also are sinners. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take, a, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We cannot, I, I cannot emphasize this enough, we cannot go shouting condemnation at other people until we're perfect, right? Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone, I don't know about you, Walker, but I'm not going to be throwing any rocks anytime soon. And notice in that story, no one else threw rocks in either. It was Jesus
1: himself who was the only one who was qualified in that stance to throw a rock. And he didn't. And he didn't. Yep. You know, I think the big issue that – or I think the big thing that has caused a lot of these – this type thing is that over the past recent years, we have sort of – within the church, and maybe this exists outside the church, but we sort of label which sins are – more severe than other sins and that is something that has been toxic to the church that's something that's been toxic to other people who may not be christians because we've created this view that uh, if you murder someone it's greater than whenever you lie to someone or if you are a homosexual that's greater than if you uh steal someone from or steal a candy bar from the candy store in all reality all the sins are equal in god's eyes throughout scripture we see god's abdomen hate for sin and how much he hates sin and how much he wants us to get rid of the sin in our life. And if we are constantly putting labels on these types of sin and labeling this is a severe sin, this is not a severe sin, all these different things, we have a, we have a very uh, misconstrued conception of sin because that's not how God views sin. God views sin as everything is bad if it is a sin. So if you steal a candy bar from the candy store, that is just as equal if you murder 20 people on the side of the street. I mean... Those, those sins are equal in God's eyes because they are both wrongdoings. They are both
0: separating you from the love of God. You know, Walker, you bring up a really interesting point, which is the fact that we, as a church, have started elevating certain sins to, whoa, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And at the same point, lowering other sins to make us not feel as bad when we do them. And I think that's what it really boils down to is to make ourselves feel better. Right. You know... We don't talk about this a lot in the church, but gossip is a sin, yeah. especially when we're tearing down someone. It could be someone outside the church or a brother in the church. Mm-hmm. When our speech is not used to encourage, when it's used to tear down, like we were talking about earlier on social media, mm-hmm. then that's a sin. Yeah. We need to be able to uplift and encourage people with our words, and gossip and slander is the very opposite of that. Right. Especially if what we're saying turns out not to be true later. Mm-hmm. And you know, but we we but we push certain sins forward and we say, oh murder, oh homosexuality, rape, all the all of these things. Those are things that I would never do. So I'm such a good person. I'm doing so well at serving God. No, we're not. We are imperfect people. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes all the time, Walker. I make mistakes every day. You make mistakes every day. Everyone who's listening to the show makes mistakes every day. Everyone who's ever lived makes mistakes every day. Everyone who will live makes mistakes every day. We are imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. But that's the beauty of it. It's amazing. That's the beauty of it, Walker. It is. We can never measure up to God. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because God is ultimate God is above everyone if we could measure up to God then we wouldn't need him to forgive our sins mm-hmm. if we could measure up to God then Jesus wouldn't needed to come to the cross but we're not equal with God and God knows that and he sent his son to die for us and that's the beauty of the scriptures walker
1: Haven't you also noticed, Isaiah, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's relevant. We haven't been on topic yet. Yes. (laughs) This is relevant to the discussion at hand, and that is, you know, we were talking about some sins being elevated other than others. You know, it's oftentimes the sins that we sort of elevate that we don't talk about in the church. You know, we don't – we elevate uh, sex, pornography, and drugs. We never talk about it in the church. We elevate murder. We hardly ever talk about murder in the church. We elevate – homosexuality, at least at the churches that I've been to, there's hardly been any lessons over homosexuality, and it's not really addressed much from the pulpit. And uh, part of the reason is, is because people are scared to talk about these topics because they don't want to offend someone else. And I think this comes down to, and this is our stance with the podcast as we addressed at the beginning, we're sorry if what we say offends you in any way, shape, or form, but what we say is the truth or what we're saying from God's word is the truth because God's word is our ultimate authority and we cannot deviate from what God's word has to say regarding these topics. And I feel that we should be talking about these topics more from the pulpit, more from the church, because these topics are vital. They're issues that our society is currently dealing with. But instead we try to take the generic approach and we just try to talk about uh, We just try to talk about just sin as a whole, which is good because sin as a whole is all bad, like I said earlier, but I feel like we need to go more in depth with certain topics that we don't really address as much that people may uh, feel uncomfortable talking about or feel uncomfortable listening to because it may step on someone's toes. Let's not be afraid to step on people's toes. Let's, Let's do it for the love of Christ because that's what Christ would want us to do. He'd want us to step on people's toes, make them
0: think, and that's what we want you to do. Okay, um,
1: getting back on the script here.
0: Well, hang on, actually. I have, I have a quick point okay. that, I, that I want to make before we jump in. Uh, before we move on to the, the third cultural movement that we want to look at today. You know, when we look at Jesus, mm-hmm. because we should be looking to Jesus, he is the ultimate example of what we should be doing in this life. Right. When we look at his ministry, he was never one to shy away from difficult subjects. Yeah. You brought up the woman at the well earlier, mm-hmm. the woman who was literally caught in the act of adultery. Yes. That is not something that I would feel comfortable talking about. right? You know, If I was a minister at a church and I knew that one of the members at that congregation had been caught in adultery... I don't think I could preach a sermon on that.
1: But isn't it amazing how he addressed the issue that she was dealing with? He used the everyday thing that we use, water, mm-hmm. and he addressed the issue using just that thing. It's the beauty of it.
0: All right, continue your thought. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but my, my point is, Jesus didn't shy away from the difficult subjects. Mm-hmm. He didn't shy away from things that people didn't really want to talk about. Yes, he addressed them, but it was how he addressed them. That's important. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me rephrase. He he addressed those difficult topics, which is important. And he addressed them in the right way, which is also very important. Yes. So again, if we say something that is incorrect or insensitive in any way, we ask that you can correct us in love so that we can continue teaching about Christ in, and do so in the most accurate way possible. Definitely. But at the same point in time, we're going to stand up for God. That's what we're going to try to do here. Mm-hmm. Not only on the show, but we need to do that in our lives. Yeah. Not just you and me, Walker, but everybody. Amen. We need to stand up for what the word says. We can't be ashamed, right? Paul says that he was not ashamed. In, in Romans chapter 1, he, he mentions that he was not ashamed to talk about Christ, to go to Rome, literally the capital of one of the cruelest empires in the entire history of the world. hmm And yet Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jews and also the Greeks. And that goes back to the Galatians passage that we talked about earlier. How there's no difference between Jews and Greeks anymore. Or between any race anymore because we are one in Christ. But the point is, stop being ashamed of the truth, people. Stop being scared to speak up for what God has to say. Because if we or the church are silent on these topics that the world are discussing, it's like what you said earlier, Walker. The world's going to be the one who educates us. We're going what to learn what is right from the world. And is the world right? Uh-uh. Far from it. There are so many things in this world that are cruel and twisted and wicked. We have reached the point in where, you know, in the scriptures it says that they call evil rights and rights evil. That's what it's become in this society. Mm-hmm. And it's not like this is a new thing, but it's certainly happening right now. It's certainly more prevalent prevalent than ever. I'm yes. not even saying that word correctly. No, but, but, <laughs> yes. but you make a good point. <laughs> yes. And the fact of the matter is we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I'm preaching to myself here as much <laughs> as I'm preaching to anybody else. Yes, We cannot hide because we are afraid of what other people may think of us, we cannot hide the truth. Because of we're afraid of what people may say. But also, also
1: this goes back to um, we should not be ashamed whatsoever, like Isaiah is saying. But also, whenever you go to address to someone about these issues, don't. Don't immediately address the issue and be like you're going to hell or something along those lines. Like we, we don't want you to do that. Whenever we say stand up for the truth, we want you to be able to approach it in love, approach it in a in, in a kind manner, in a compassionate way. Approach it in a way that you would want to be approached. Um, it goes back to the whole Matthew seven, do unto others as you would have done unto them type concept. You know, if someone is doing something that's not right biblically, approach them in a way that you would want to be approached, and um and tell them. Exactly. Hey, I see that you're doing this, um, and I don't think it's right because Scripture says this. And point out what they're struggling with and help them out. But don't just point out their struggle and then run away from them. Be there to support them. Be there to help them. Be be their accountability partner, and help us, um, help Isaiah and I um, show the world uh, who we stand for. Um, put on the full armor of God as we read it in Ephesians six, and fight for the truth. Fight for what's right. Don't let the pride inside of you hold you back from telling someone or don't let the fear inside of you hold you back from telling someone what is right. Would Jesus ever, what would? What, what if Jesus did that for you on the day of judgment? What if he held back on the day of judgment whenever you're facing the judgment seat of God and he doesn't say anything because he's scared of what he might say or he's scared of something that he might say? How would that affect your eternity? You wouldn't want that to happen to you Especially if Jesus was your attorney, so don't do that to someone else. Be the advocate that you that they need in their life, and be that person for them. Moving on to women's yes. rights. Yes,
0: <laughs> we are very very good at getting off topic. Yes, the point is whether uh, we've we looked at the Black Lives Matter movement, yes. we've looked at the movement for gay rights, and now we're going to look at the right or the movement for women's rights. And just like the other two, this movement has been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in this country. Women have been fighting for the right to vote, the right to equal pay, all all of these things. Uh, They have been fighting for those things for centuries and are still continuing to fight that today. Uh, So what should we look at or how should we look at this issue or or this topic? Rather, Let, let me rephrase it. How should we as Christians look at this topic? What should our opinion of women's rights be? And I think it goes back to the garden. We spend a lot of time on the show looking at Adam and Eve in the garden, and rightfully so, because it is the first people on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say what better examples than the first people? But you know, Adam and Eve weren't weren't necessarily the best examples. Yeah. But the point is, uh, we have recorded for us in Genesis chapter one a very very important verse. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this verse is saying, Everyone, no matter race or sexual orientation or gender, whatever, they're all created in God's image. Every single one of us is created in God's image. Male and female, White or African American, straight or gay, it does not matter. God created you. God knew you before the world began. Mm. There's a there's a verse in Jeremiah where he says that you knew my inward parts before they were formed. Mm. Uh, I believe it's in Jeremiah. I I will have to uh, reference that or look look up that reference really quick. I don't have it on me. Uh, I'm improvising again. I apologize, but the point is. We are all created in God's image, male and female. Psalm 139. 13, oh, it's in Psalms? 16 Okay. I, I I must be thinking of a different verse, but uh, could you go ahead and read that Forrest Walker just so you know they know that we're not making stuff up again? <laughs> Psalm
1: 139, beginning at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Do you want me to continue No, on no, that's to, good. Okay. Thanks, thank you so much for finding that
0: verse. Yeah, It's important that we have those verses and not just reference them, and we encourage you to do that in your own personal Bible study as well to actually see what the Bible has to say for yourself. Anyway, the point is, yes, men and women are all created in God's image. Therefore, we are all important. We are all of value. But that does not mean that we are all the same. Yeah, Men and women have several key differences that are you know, not accidental or didn't just come about by happenstance. Yeah. God created male and females to work together. There would be no need to create two separate things, two separate genders in this case, if they were the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So God created male and female to have certain, you know, the male gender has certain strengths and certain weaknesses And when you match those up with the strengths and weaknesses of the female gender, they go hand in hand. The strengths of the male usually can override the weaknesses of the female in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the strengths of the female can also override the weaknesses of the male in a relationship. And that's how marriages work, Mm -hmm. is taking one person, joining them with another person, and both of them bringing their own separate skills to the table their own unique abilities, their own roles in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And one person's strengths will not be the other person's strengths. And that's okay, It's not; they're not really supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. If you've got two, strong, two people who are strong in one area and weak in the other, they're both going to struggle in that area. Yeah. But if you've got one who's strong in that area and one who's weak, the one who is strong can be there for the one that is weak. But the point is, I say all that to say this, mm-hmm. Men and women are created differently. Physically, we're different. You know, males are usually larger and stronger than females. We're created different mentally, right? We have a different thinking process. We have different ways to do things. Uh, We also see, you know, emotionally that women are a lot more equipped to take care of children, you know, and and that's that's the purpose of of male and female is is for marriage, mm-hmm. right? That's why we're created. Uh, that is that you know God created us to be able to to marry, right? We see that in the garden with Adam and Eve from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And the point is that their strengths and weaknesses go together, and they help each other. But those aren't the only differences that we see, are they, Walker?
1: It's definitely not. You know, there's a lot of ways that we could go talking about women's rights. um, And I think one of the big differences that we talk about today, um, especially within the church, is the women's role within the church. And we're going to dedicate a whole season to that uh, later on down the road. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) So we're not going to dive deep into that today. Um, But we see in 1 Timothy 2 verses 9 through 15 about the women's role in the church, women's role in worship. Um, and do you have that verse
0: pulled up by chance, i say? Uh, I do not, but I am using my phone, so I can get there <laughs> fairly rapidly as long as I know where I'm going. 1 <laughs> Timothy chapter 2. 1 uh, Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Likewise, also, uh, Paul here is talking about the roles of people in the church. He spends time talking about the male roles, in verse nine, uh, and then in verse 9... Adam was formed first then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So Paul here, through the Holy Spirit, is saying that men are to lead in worship. Men are to be the heads of the household and to you know, have control over their families and to lead their families both at home and during the worship assembly. So, yes, women and men have different roles, but that does not mean that they are not equal and If there is a problem in today's society, whether it be you know not having enough representation or not getting equal pay, then that needs to be fixed and I don't know enough about that uh, I don't know enough about women's rights or you know women in the workplace or women in politics to really say if this is is, is a the issue that people are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. But I will say this in my ignorance, it does seem that there are some challenges for women in the workplace and politics that are not there for males. Yes. That should not be the case. Definitely, Women and men are created with different intentions in mind, but they are still equal. They are not any less valuable. Yeah. So Walker, what, what's our Christian stance supposed to be on women's rights? How are, how are, do we as a church, how are we supposed to look at this movement?
1: You know, we we discussed that women and men have very different abilities. They have different roles given to them by God. Um, as I'm thinking about different roles, I'll quickly mention for your reference 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, that's a great passage to go to for your own personal study. We could dive into it now, but we, we really just don't have the time to. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, talks about how we were all created and we are all a unique part to the body of christ and so each one of us plays a unique role to the body of christ whether you're male female whatever gender you may be we are all working together like isaiah was saying to glorify god to unify uh us in the body of christ and so we all play a unique role and god loves every single person the same way in that aspect he loves us all um no matter what our abilities or our roles may be. And we should make sure to respect each other's genders. We should be sure to respect each other's strengths and weaknesses um, because those those things are valuable to not only us and makes us unique, but they're valuable to God. God's given us all of our talents, all of our resources, all of our abilities for a specific purpose, to use it to help glorify his kingdom. And isn't it amazing? the the beauty of God's creation of man and woman. How he gave both uh, so many different abilities and talents and um, gifts and how we can use all of those abilities, talents, and gifts if we use them in the correct way to glorify him. It's just absolutely amazing. It stuns me and it, it, it just shows the beauty of God's creation and how much thought and how much uh, time and effort he put into designing each and every person um, each and every creature that's ever walked the face of this planet, every single thing on this planet has a reason and, an, and, a, and a purpose
0: for being here, and that includes us as people. Definitely, Walker. So you know we, we've talked a lot. Um, hey, <laughs> <Amen> into that, <laughs> as, as we tend to do. Yes. So let's try to wrap this up right. neatly. The Black Lives. Black lives, my goodness, that, how many times am I going to trip over that? I am so sorry. The Black Lives Matter movement, we are saying, yes, black lives matter. Yes. With gay rights, we are saying their lives matter. Yes. With women, we're saying their lives matter. Yes. And you know why? Because we are all equal in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. We are all loved by the same God who sent that same son to die on that same cross to forgive all of us. That's what unifies us. That's where we can find true equality. Because that's really what a lot of these cultural movements are about, is finding equality, right? Trying to get in, in the same standing as another group. Trying to have that equal footing. We have equality in Christ, We have unity in Christ. And Paul tells us how to get that unity in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, uh, we'll start in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Here's the crucial part, verse 14, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's what the ESV says. Uh, I want to go ahead and read that verse again from the New American Standard. I really like the way the New American Standard phrases verse 14. Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond. When we love as God loved, when we show the same love that God showed to us, when we show that to other people, that's how we have unity. That's how we can find equality, is when we love one another as God loved us. So, that's kind of conclusion part 1A. Uh, but you know also, while talking about this, yes, it's important for us to stand up for the truth. As Christians, that is our responsibility. We need to stand up for the truth. We need to spread the word. But our primary goal is not anything on this earth. Our primary goal is something far much better than anything on this planet, and that is getting to heaven. Now, getting to heaven is dependent on how we live here on earth. Mm -hmm. But our focus should not be on earthly things. And that's very, very difficult to keep our focus on God. Keep our focus where it needs to be. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We can get so swept up in politics. We can get so swept up in cultural movements and, and anything else of this world. And they don't matter. Now, I'm not saying they don't matter at all. But in the grand scheme of things, God's not going to stand, you, or, you know, excuse me, you're not going to stand before God on Judgment Day, and the question to get into heaven is not going to be, did you support women's rights, yeah. or, or any of the other cultural movements that we looked at today. That's not what God is looking for. God is looking for someone who is serving Him, who is following Him to the best of their abilities, and going in accordance with, all, with the commands that He has given to them in the Scriptures. That's what he's looking for.
1: And that's why we heed the caution to you to be careful whenever you attach yourself, if you attach yourself at all, to a cultural movement. Instead, I would encourage you, this is me personally, this is not coming from Isaiah, but I'm sure he would tag along as well. And that is, we encu- or I encourage you to attach to the Christian movement and attach to the movement that seeks to bring people together in unity, seeks to bring people together in love, seeks to bring people together in a place called heaven that isaiah was talking about one day because that's the ultimate thing we ha- we get to look forward to and while we're on this earth we're going to have um we 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 need to be able to treat each individual um as someone of value because that is how god sees them no matter of their race sexual orientation or gender um he doesn't care what you look like where you came from he knows that you ultimately were designed by him and that's what makes you beautiful And you should live out your life joyful because God designed you. And joyful because God created you. And joyful because you have something greater to look forward to whenever this world comes to an end. The grand message for today, show love to all. No matter what uh, they may be dealing with. No matter what they may look like. It it doesn't matter. Show love to them. Uh, We talked about a verse in personal evangelism yesterday. um, About uh, the love and... 1 Corinthians fourteen 16, sixteen I think. And um,
0: that, that was a very powerful verse. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but. Uh, the verse that you are re- referencing is 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14. Okay, I have the numbers backwards. Yes, nice. uh, yeah, you're good. 1 <laughs> uh, Corinthians sixteen fourteen. Paul simply says, let all that you do be done in love. Think about
1: that and meditate on that. And let's pray. Father, we love you. And we pray that everything that we do in this life is done through love. It doesn't matter where we are, where we came from, what we look like. The greatest message that we can ever learn is that we were created by you, that you love us, and that you care for us so deeply that you want to save us and you want us to be in a home in heaven with you. We know that you care so much more about our soul than you care about our physical appearance. And we pray that we can have that same uh, attitude towards other people we can fall in love with their soul and understand that their soul has more importance than their physical appearance and we pray that that can drive us to talk to people about Jesus drive us to having a passion for evangelism drive us to being better servants for you and we want you uh, to be um, the one that we ultimately strive to glorify and we pray that everything that we do is done for Uh, the glorification of
0: your kingdom is in your son's name we pray amen we pray that this episode has been encouraging and uplifting and again please feel free to contact us if there's anything that you want to talk about further if there's something that you think we missaid or something that we should have said that we didn't Uh, we would love to continue this conversation with you to uh, be able to point you to the scriptures to answer any questions that you may have about what we said here today. Uh, we have an Instagram, T-T-E-O-J underscore podcast. We are on Facebook. We have our own website, tteoj.com. dot uh, It's just the initials of the podcast, Through the Eyes of Jesus. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about this subject or about anything else, biblical or not. Or not. Uh, we pray that, again, that this episode has been uplifting And we pray that you continue to praise God in all that you do. Have a blessed day.